0: felt like a punch to the gut. Um, And I remember I went to the station and I saw the door. I just had this like very emotional reaction because it just felt like, you know, this place, um, this like community had just been completely taken from us.
1: That's Sarah Petrie. In 2000, she was a DJ director for the Rice University student-run radio station, KTRU when the station suddenly went off the air.
0: I just remember hearing from someone that the station had been taken off the air and the locks had been changed until further notice.
1: Within a university, distinguished by neatly trimmed hedges and future professionals, KTRU is an oasis of anarchy. Even today, the DJ booth is shrouded in old records and practically every surface is covered by the station's iconic black and yellow k bumper stickers. KTRU was started in the basement of Hanson College. It was weird, it was eclectic, and it did not mix well with authority. Then a donor came along, and KTRU students suddenly found themselves with a 50,000 watt transmitter and a signal that reached halfway to Austin. All of a sudden, KTRU was big.
2: There was a real sense of foreboding at that time amongst the student leadership, myself included, that suddenly KTRU had become kind of this really big thing and other people. Beyond the students, would would want to get their hands on it.
1: Richard Johnson is an employee of Rice University and has volunteered as a community DJ for KTRU for 18 years now. He got involved with the station as a Rice undergrad in the early 90s. Students felt they owned KTRU, a station they had single-handedly built, but legally the university owned KTRU's FCC license. To the school, KTRU looked like an asset, and so it decided to use it to broadcast athletic events as a service to the university. I
3: think it was intended to be a quid pro quo.
1: This is John Hutchinson. He is currently the dean of undergraduates, but at the time had just been made assistant vice president for student affairs. The new programming demands the university was placing on k those were his to help see into effect.
3: We will put money into your radio station if we can get value back out of the radio station. I think it was as simple as that. You
2: have this... Suddenly, huge, desirable transmitter, 50,000 watts. You have a loss of student support and student leadership, uh, listenership. And then this increasing pressure to carry more athletics broadcasting, um, you know, something was, was, was bound to happen. And that was, that's what brings us to, um, to November 2000.
4: It was just another day at the radio station.
1: That's Johnny So. He was the station manager of K2 at that time.
4: We had a uh, punk rock special show on at the time, and uh, that show's programming was overridden that week by a women's basketball game. And the DJs that were working uh, at that time, again, did not approve of the way in which the programming was, uh, in their opinion, thrust upon the radio station. So what they did without anybody really knowing... Uh, actually, without anybody knowing, period, is they played uh, certain music over the women's basketball game. So they were actually playing concurrently. And a lot of the music they were playing had um, sort of a political message from the standpoint of the the radio station dispute. So they played uh, songs, I believe, like uh, we own the airwaves. I think that's
2: a song by the Ramones. First sample play, the
1: Those DJs were Vicky Keener and Patrick Glothier, and their statement was heard. Now Johnny and the rest of the student leadership team had to decide whether or not to fire the DJs for clearly violating the university's mandate.
4: Uh my decision was well, I can't punish them because I'm in agreement with their sentiment behind why they're doing it, and i do not think I did not think that sent a good message to the rest of the student staff uh, if those individuals were fired right um, and I also took the position that the student station manager's role is to Represent the students that work at the radio station. Like the only individual that the student that the station manager is beholden to are the students that compose KTRU. That was my position.
1: Richard Johnson, the longtime KTRU DJ, thinks this was a big mistake.
2: The the KTRU student manager was was defiant. He refused to discipline the DJs who had disrupted the the athletics broadcasts. Um, and he was unwilling to, uh, apologize on behalf of the station, um, to athletics and and to the administration for what had happened. If, 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 if that, if that had happened, a simple in the moment, I'm sorry, I'm going to take steps to make sure that this doesn't happen again, we would, we would have never even remembered that that had happened at all. It would have, it would have gone away.
1: But it didn't go away, and no one at k was forgetting it either. Two days later, Vice President for Student Affairs, Senado Camacho, and Assistant VPSA, John Hutchinson, went up to the k office, interrupted a Miles Davis jazz song, and asked the student DJ on shift to leave. They removed the years of bumper sticker art from k door and changed the lock. The students no longer had a station of their own.
4: I actually didn't find out about it until uh, one of my colleagues called me uh, and she was crying and she said that uh, the radio station had been shut down and because I didn't know that I was like, you know, what are you talking about? And she was just like, well, the administration came in, they locked the doors, they took all the bumper stickers off the door, um, and they have locked the students out so that no one can access the radio
3: station.
1: In hindsight, John Hutchinson says this was a mistake.
3: I had the stickers taken off of the door mm-hmm. because I we were going to put a sign up that says, don't enter. And I wanted to make sure people saw that sign. So I said, take all this stuff off so people will see the sign. That was an unbelievable mistake. Terrible, horrible mistake. When the decision was made, and I wasn't the one who made the decision to, to lock out the students from the K-True studio, I asked you that- You were not the one? I did not make that decision. You made it no. decision. <laughs> uh, Vice President, uh, in conjunction with the President. The President and the Vice President made that decision. Um, and I was going to say, my second mistake was not fighting harder to not have that decision made. Um, I should have pushed harder, but I was too new in my job. The
2: shutdown happened. I remember there immediately being this session in Sewell Hall where a, a bunch of DJs and supporters of k True got together uh, for this sort of air your grievances session with, with Camacho and, and Hutch. And, and poor Hutch. He was coming from something else on the west side of town. He was late because of traffic on the west loop. He was very apologetic, but you know, some people thought Hutch was avoiding them, um, which he wasn't. Uh, you know, Hutch. Hutch is an honest person.
1: But intentions didn't seem to matter anymore, and an outraged student body rallied around K. True.
0: Seeing students walking around with K. True bumper stickers over their mouths was like really incredible because it showed that. Even if a student didn't necessarily care about the music we played, they cared about our ability to play that music and they cared about our our right as a community.
1: With the station off the air and the clock ticking, students scrambled to find a solution. Sarah Petrie, along with her co-DJ director, Ben Horn, took the lead in the negotiations, with Camacho and Hutchinson representing the university.
0: One of the challenges was that this was like right before (laughs) finals, so um it was uh, I just remember being really, really stressed out because I you know all I wanted to do was focus on getting teacher back on the air and yet like I and I missed so much class like right before finals because I was in that office for like hours at a time um, And so I think in those discussions, it was basically from the administration's point of view it was you know you guys, aren't holding yourselves accountable for following rules and policies. And we need assurance that you will hold yourselves accountable.
1: After eight tenths days of negotiations, protests and no KTRU, a settlement was reached.
2: Part of the resolution was the creation of um, an oversight committee for KTRU. This was part of the negotiated peace. It was, (laughs) it was called the KTRU-Friendly Committee. This was meant to be a a committee that would sit between the administration and KTRU and help to prevent situations like this again. Um, And it was to be staffed by a combination of uh, administrators, KTRU student leadership, um, and then some uh, alumni representatives.
1: The KTRU-Friendly Committee wasn't perfect, but it got the station back on the air with greater student control over programming. The 50,000 watt transmitter would later be sold to the University of Houston in 2010. Today, CAJU broadcasts on 96.1 FM with the 41 watt transmitter, a sliver of what it once was.
0: The signal reached not only like Metro Houston, Westview, and like immediately around campus, but, but really the huge metro area and that didn't necessarily, I mean, if it, if it was just a campus radio station, would never pick it up. And there were so many kids that grew up here in k that, you know, would encounter weird, you know, weird music, for lack of a better descriptor, that would never, it was an access thing, and it really enabled folks that didn't have a lot of means or maybe were, like, in more marginalized places, to access something that was, like, really rare and specific and unusual. It was something that the university didn't particularly value, but something we really valued was this ability to connect with the community and to make community uh, within Houston that was centered around eclectic and sometimes really difficult to access uh, music. Music